Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 11, I'll read on up until chapter number 3, verse number 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden in ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he, he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we ask you, may you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Reconciling the nation. Reconciling the nation. This is a great moment in the history of Malawi. Very great moment. Tomorrow, 6th July, is the day that we celebrate our independence. And it's a very kind of like a, a, a vibrant 6th of July. Because we've just come from a year and two months and some days, probably two weeks, of, of being in limbo, of not knowing what's going to happen next. Now, here we are, celebrated by the world over, actually. I mean, magazines like The Economist, The Washington Post, New York Times are talking about us. That here we are, we had elections that were uh, not run right, and yet, you know, our judiciary overturned all that, and we, 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 we had elections, again, a rerun of those elections. We paid for by ourselves. There were no international observers, and we've done it. But you know, the work has just begun. It's just begun. Because you see, it's not about winning an election or losing an election, but it's really being a people that have been called together for a common destiny to fulfill the things that God has called us to fulfill. And I believe that every nation 
has a destiny in God. In fact, that's what Paul says in Acts chapter number 17, when he's speaking at Athens, in Athens, where he actually says that God has set the boundaries of the nations and the times for the nations. And so there is a nation or there's a time for Malawi to be here and a purpose for which God has called Malawi to be here. And of course, we know the other thing about Malawi, that we are more connected to our tribe, more connected to our region. And that even as we speak of these elections, of the rerun of these elections, we also know that 59% voted for the, the, the president right now, but another 41% did not vote for the president. We don't vote according to ideas, we vote according to tribal affiliations or regional affiliations. And therein lies the problem. Because how are we going to move together as a unity if we are not united? And I think that's where the church comes in. That's where you and I come in. Because God has set us in the earth as salt and light. We're here as salt and light. We are here to actually show the society around us the love of God. And at the heart of the love of God is what Christ has done, is what God has done in Christ by reconciling us to God and also reconciling us to each other. And so the work of reconciliation is a work that the church should be very much involved in because the whole church, in fact, the business of the whole church is a business of reconciliation. God has called the church to be reconcilers. God has called you to be a reconciler. God has called you to be at the forefront of ensuring that there is reconciliation in the world, reconciliation to God, but also reconciliation amongst people. How do we go about reconciliation? From a, a Bible point of view, from a theological point of view, how do we go about reconciliation? Well, first of all, of course, we must understand we're united and that there is a basis, as far as Scripture is concerned, of our unity. I want you to note, number one from this text, we're united in reconciliation. Christians are united in reconciliation. And, and, and here's my point. Our being reconciled becomes the basis by which we become an influence in society to also reconcile society. We become an influence in Malawi to reconcile Malawian society. And so verse number 11 of chapter number 2 says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh of hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now remember again when Paul is writing the letter to Ephesus or the Ephesians, he's writing a letter to a group of churches in the city of Ephesus. And this group of churches obviously has people that are Gentiles and people that are Jews. And so, you know, these two groups are together in that church. And so he is trying to explain to them that, listen, here's a revelation I got from God, that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above every principality, every power, every authority, every name that can be named in this age and even in the one that is to come. Right? You, that's where you're seated. But, how, but, but now here is how you ought to be acting. When we come to chapter number two, he's still breaking that down. In fact, in chapter number two, from verse number one up until 10, he has just shown that we who are dead in trespasses have been made alive in Christ. And so that now we're born again, now we're God's workmanship for good works in the world. And so now he starts to say, okay, so that's what has happened to you according to what God has done to you in Christ Jesus. But here's something that God has also done for you, amongst you. See, we should never forget that salvation is not just about our relationship with God in worship, but salvation, to be truly salvation, would be our, our connection to God in worship, our connection to each other in fellowship, and our stewardship or management of the earth resources. Because when He put us down here, He put us down here to bear His image, therefore to be His re representatives in the earth. And so we should never think of salvation only in privatized terms, only in terms of me as an individual and God. No, it's not just me and God, it's also me and you. So salvation, that does not extend to, or that just stops at me and God and does not extend to me and you. 
is a fake salvation. And so Paul is trying to break that down so that they understand. So he speaks of their former state. He says, you Gentiles, you were called in circumcision. And of course, circumcision was that sign of the, of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Where he told Abraham that, listen, all your children, all your sons, they shall be circumcised on the eighth day when they're born, after they're born. Right? On the eighth day. And this is going to be a sign of my covenant with you. And so, Jews prided themselves in the fact that they were those of the circumcision. They were the ones that had gotten into covenant with God, with Abraham. Now, I don't know if you remember, when Abraham emerges in chapter number 11 at the end, 12 of Genesis, it's after the Tower of Babel, where the nations have come together and they have decided they're going to build a tower to heaven. And so God confuses them. So you have a Babel, you have a confusion of languages. And so from that Babel, there comes a person called Abraham that God chooses to bring about his purposes in the earth and with whom God makes a covenant. I want you to watch that because it's very important. Nations, ethnicities, tribes, they are things that God has made. But our problem is we find ethnicity or we make ethnicity, we make tribe to be a dividing thing. In fact, after the fall, ethnicity has been a dividing thing. And so he says, here was your state. You were Gentiles. You were called in circumcision by that which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. And now that's kind of like Paul, you know, giving a jibe to the Jews there. Because he says, well, yeah, you have the circumcision, but it's in the flesh. God had always sought a circumcision of the heart. Circumcise your hearts, not just your flesh. And so with Paul, really to be a Jew is to be one who is circumcised in the flesh. And that's what he ends up calling Christians in Philippians chapter number 3. He says we are the true circumcision. Why? Because our circumcision is of the heart. But watch, he's drawing this contrast. You were uncircumcised, verse number 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So look at their state, or look at our state. We were separated from Christ. We were separated from Messiah. We had no promise that there's going to be a king that's going to reign on our behalf, and that king is going to come from God. No, no Christ, no Messiah. You are separated from Christ. You are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you are foreigners and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He says, as far as we know in history, you Gentiles had no God. You Gentiles were, were separated from the, the blessing that God called Israel to be. Because when, when God called Abraham and made covenant with him, he told Abraham, I'm going to give you a people, I'm going to give you many descendants, I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to make a blessing to the nations. He says, you were separated from all that. You are foreigners, and you are hopeless without God in the world. And do you know our gods, our traditional gods, we're gods that we always manipulated, isn't it? Yeah, well, you, you, always, you always come to the God or the ancestors in a way that you want to manipulate them so that they can do the things you want them to do. Yeah, yeah it's a very prosperity traditional religion. Since you had no hope, no hope of this afterlife. But now, verse number 13, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You are once afar off. You are not anywhere near God. But now, here's what God has done in Christ Jesus. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. By the death, burial, resurrection, and your belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how you have been brought near. Hallelujah. See, the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins must die. That's what the Bible says. To die, you should shed blood. See, salvation may be free for you. It wasn't free for Jesus. Amen. There's no free salvation. Somebody pays for that salvation. And that's what Christ has done. He has paid for our salvation. And in paying for our salvation, he has brought us near and so he says verse number 14 for he himself is our peace he himself is our peace and Paul 
Remember, he's a, a Jewish guy, right? And peace is a, is a concept that you find so much more in the Old Testament. Peace in the Hebrew is shalom. Shalom is, the, is fruitfulness. It's, it's unlike the English. The English, usually when you say peace, you're speaking of, you know, there are no hostilities. There are no animosities, and so there is peace. So a lack of hostilities, a lack of fighting, that's what is called peace, or we associate with peace in the English language. In the Hebrew, though, it's about thriving. It's about fruitfulness. It's the proper state of things in the world. And so here's what Christ has done. He has become our peace, who has made us both one. Both who? Both Jews and Gentiles. Both Jews and all the nations. So if there was racism, if there was tribalism, if there was gen uh, regionalism, he says in Christ, he has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now in the Jewish temple, it used to be in the Old Testament, as prescribed by Moses, that there was the place where only the Levites could go and another place where, you know, everybody else could go. But then later on it developed that, no, 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 here is a court for women and here is a court for the Gentiles. So if you're a Gentile, you, you can't go beyond some place, beyond some wall, because that's a place where the, the Jews are going to be at. Kind of like classes there. Women, mm, not so holy. Men, yeah, better. And then Jews, Gentiles, uh-uh, Gentiles, you stay out here. Jews, you get inside there. He says, here's what Christ has done. He has broken down the wall of separation. He has broken down, he has broken down the wall of separation. He says, and he has done this in his flesh. In other words, when he died on the cross, when he was killed on the cross, when he was crucified on the cross, that's where he broke that. And what's the result? Verse number 15. By abolishing the wall of commandments expressed in ordinances. Now he's speaking about the whole Old Testament law and all the systems that it came with. He's not, of course, talking about here the moral law or the Ten Commandments, the way that we ought to be acting as human beings. No. In fact, Jesus said that I did not come to, to, to abolish the law and the prophets. No, 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 no. He says I came to fulfill. In fact, where the law and the prophets, or where the law said, oh, look, you shall not kill. Jesus says, look, if you so much as hate your brother, you're a murderer. Oh, you shall not commit adultery. If you so much as look at a man lustfully, at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. So, it's not the abolition of the Ten Commandments. No, it's abolition of all those other things. The civil law, how Israel ought to live in the world. Ceremonial law, how, how you know, liturgy or, 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 or the priests ought to be acting in the temple. That is abolished. Why is it done that, verse number 15? That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What are you talking about? Well, the people that were separated at the Tower of Babel, here's what God is doing in Christ Jesus. He's bringing all peoples together. Hallelujah. He's bringing all peoples together. He's bringing all tribes together. That he might create one new man, it says. He might create one new man in place of the two. So making peace. Hallelujah. So instead of you having Jews and Gentiles, instead of you having all these animosities, now you have one new man. I want you to watch this. The Bible is not really, is not here saying that somehow, you know, we should throw out our different ethnicities and then come to this Christian ethnicity. There is no such thing. There's no Christian tribe. Even though we do speak Christianese. You know Christianese? Things that Christians say that don't make sense to anybody else but a Christian. No. In the Bible, we find out that there's actually a celebration of the different ethnicities, of the different tribes. There's a celebration of them. In the book of Revelation, it says every, every tongue, every nation 
is going to come before him and worship him. So there's going to be Tumboka there. There's going to be Jijewa there. There's going to be Yawo there. There's going to be all sorts of languages. Amen. So here, it's not to say, oh, just forget about your tribe. Now we have this superior tribe. Not exactly. We celebrate the tribes. We celebrate the cultures. But we understand that we are not beholden, we are not captured by cultures and tribes. Amen. That he may bring peace. Look at verse number 16. It says, and that he might reconcile us both to God. What's Christ doing? He's bringing peace, reconciling us to each other, and also reconciling us to God. He says, in one body, through the cross, so that we become one body. We become one people, and thereby killing the hostility. And so he says, and he, verse number 17, and he came and preached peace, uh, peace to you who are afar off, and peace to those who are near. See, Babylon, Babel, the Tower of Babel is with us. It's with us in the various ethnocentricisms or, or various tribal, tribalisticisms. I don't know if there's such a word. But in the way that we kind of like, you know, we make our culture, we make our, our tribe to be up there. It's out there. And that's one of the things that we, we are battling with in Africa, isn't it? Our failure to form nations that have different tribes. Our failure to, to, to come together and say, okay, we have a common destiny. Maybe we're not the ones that created these borders. The colonialists created the borders for us, but that's what we have right now. So let's make the most of it, isn't it? We have failed to do that. And we see it in our nation, isn't it? We see it. We see it. If I were to ask you, have you ever been discriminated against because of your tribe? Just lift up your hand. Have you ever been discriminated against because of your tribe? Some of you have not. You obviously don't live in Malawi, but it's okay. Or you're a liar. But watch. Christ expects that we as the church, because we understand what reconciliation is, we would be the people that would start this process of reconciliation. Next Sunday, we made a mistake. I said that was going to be this Sunday, 5th of July. It's not this Sunday, but next Sunday. We want to start having a conversation on reconciliation. We want to start saying, okay, so how can we bring reconciliation? First of all, right here, amongst us. And then we want to say, okay, so how can we make this something that, you know, goes into our community, goes into our society, and ultimately comes to a place where it's a national agenda. Because if Malawi is not healed, we shall find ourselves the very same place we've been at. We're united, number one, in reconciliation. Number two, I want you to know that we're united in relationship. In Christ, we have become family and God's dwelling place. That's what has happened in Christ. In Christ, we have become family. Amen. We have become family and God's dwelling place. Look at verse number 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look at what has happened to the Jew and the Gentile, to the Lomwe and the Chewa in Christ Jesus. Amen. Look at what has happened to them. Well, they're, they're, they're no longer strangers. They're no longer aliens. They're no longer refugees. You know, they're not refugees in the house of God. Amen. Oh, you know that Burundian. Ah. Very sad. Everybody that comes from the East Africa, the, the Great Lakes region is Burundian. Sad part. Remember some, was it last year? There was... There were found some bodies that were in a, I think it was at Biwi, right? Biwi in Chesi, right? Biwi, right? So there were all these ritual murders that were going on in that place. And guess what? The community said it's the Burundians. And they went around ransacking Burundian shops. And then the police said, no, 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 no. We've caught the person. He's not even Burundian. And I'm sure most of those people that did that stuff, they call themselves Christians. 
And sadder still is to find out that there are Christians who are happy. Oh, you know, these people, they come and they steal our business and whatever. Sad. Shame on you. Because if there is anything, the Word of God tells us that the sojourner, the person that is running away from war, the refugee, we should make sure we keep them. Isn't it? And so what has he done? Well, he, we are no longer strangers. We are no longer aliens. We are no longer refugees. But we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we are citizens and we are members of that family of that household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So the foundation of this household, the foundation of this house is the ministry of the apostles and the prophets. Not Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles. It doesn't say that. It says apostles and prophets. Apostles that first. They are prophets in the New Testament. If you get into Acts, you find a prophet called Agabus. In Revelation, there's talk about prophets. In fact, the whole of Revelation is a very prophetic book. And we hear of the sons of the prophets in, the, in that book. And so it's the foundation laying ministry of the apostles and the prophets on which the church is built. How? Because they preach the word of God. And from there comes, emerges churches. So we're built on that foundation. And he says again that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Being the stone that holds everything together. In whom the whole structure being joined together. In, in whom? In, in him. In Christ. In whom the whole structure being joined together. In other words, we have a, an organic unity. We are united. In the spirit we are connected. It's very sad that that which is in the spirit, we don't want to manifest it in the flesh. See, the problem with a lot of us is we think church is an event. We think church is an event, and so we come here for an event. We don't understand, no, 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 no. Church is about relationship. Here we're just coming to celebrate. That's why we call this a celebration. Here we're just coming to celebrate together. But on Wednesday and on Tuesday, you are supposed to be part of a home group where you are sharing your life with other people. But we've made it to be a show. says no we are being joined together being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit now dwelling place or dwelling is actually a word that was used in the Old Testament for the tabernacle right like a tent the tabernacle in the Old Testament was the place where God resided before the temple was built. And he says that you, you, we are being built together. We are growing together. We are being built together into the dwelling place of God. God does not dwell in the temple anymore. The temple of God are the people of God. Hallelujah. That's why I get worried with some of you that want, you know, Israel to take over Palestine or to take over Jerusalem and so that the temple can be rebuilt. No, we are the temple in Jesus' name. We are the temple. Stop persecuting the Palestinians because of a temple. There's no more temple. Jesus said, destroy this thing and I'll rebuild it in three days. Didn't he say that? So we are the temple of God. We are his dwelling We are related. We are family. You know, in the Bible, in the New Testament, when they say brother so and so, they meant that's brother. They meant that if that person got stuck, they would come to their brother, come to their sister, and that brother and sister would help him out because they were family. Amen. They were family. And where there is no sense of family, there is no true growth because this idea of family is based on love. Jesus said, they shall know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Isn't it? He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you have love for one another. What does love mean, my friend? Love means wanting to spend time with the people that you love, your so-called family. Love means Tuesday, Wednesday, you make sure you get together with those brothers and sisters. Not because, you know, you're, you're going to learn something. No, no, no. But because you, you want to share your life with them. 
Amen. Tell your neighbor, go to home sale this week with your mask on. And so the Spirit is making us into the house of God. We are united in reconciliation. We are united in relationship. And I want you to watch. We are united in revelation. So chapter number three, Paul starts talking about, this kind of like he's digressing now. He starts talking about his ministry and how God has given him this ministry to the church, the Gentiles. And so the point is, the church is the Spirit's revelation of the inclusion of the Gentiles into God's plan. The church is the Spirit's revelation, in other words, of all races, all tribes being included in God's plan. So verse number one, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ. And at this point in time, Paul is writing from prison. Right? He's, he's, he's been incarcerated, he's been arrested, and probably this is like in, in, in chapter number 27 of Acts. Right? And so he says, a prisoner of Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Now I want you to watch this. Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, when you read Galatians chapter number one, chapter number two, Paul is explaining to the Galatians his ministry, his apostolic office, and saying that, listen, I didn't learn the things I'm telling you about Christ. I did not learn these things from the other apostles. No, when I went there and I told them about the mystery, I told them about my call to be an apostle to the Gentiles, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. And so Paul has this understanding, God has called me that I should take this gospel to the Gentiles. And that's what he's talking about here, that he received this stewardship, he's, he received this office, and it was given to him. And he says, this is the mystery. Now by saying mystery, he's not saying that, you know, yeah, he's got a corner on this thing as an apostle, and so other people that are not apostles, they can never get into this mystery. Uh-uh. In fact, he's using mystery in the sense of mystery as in Daniel, where Daniel will speak of all the different things that he sees that is given as, as part of his revelation and speaks of them as the mystery of such, such a thing. So in other words, mystery is something that has been revealed to the believer. It may not be something that is understood. In fact, it is something that is not understood by the world, but by the believer, it is something that is understood. And so... He says, verse number three, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. I have written briefly when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery is centered on Christ. It's centered on what Christ has done. Verse number five, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit or in the spirit. So that was not known. It wasn't understood. Before it was Jews and Gentiles and different people. You want to come to God, you get circumcised, you become a Jew. Then you have a chance that you can, you, you can enter into a relationship with God. But he says here is a mystery that was not known. But now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. And this mystery, he says, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It says, we are inheritors. An heir is an inheritor, isn't it? Your heir is a person you're going to leave all your things to, right? So we are, the, we are heirs of the promises. Together with the promises that were made to, to Abraham, that were made to, 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 to Israel, we are fellow heirs. We are fellow inheritors of those promises. Hallelujah. Please, 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 please. Some of us, we just buy into some teachings, some theology, that we don't know where they're coming from. We don't know their background. The idea that Israel and the church are separate entities is an idea, a teaching that comes from just 200 years ago. 
before we've always believed the church has always believed that listen if you're going to come to God you come through Jesus Christ if you're Jewish well forget about being a Jew start being a Christian as in forget about the, the, the Old Testament way of approaching God forget about that the high priest and the temple and stuff like that because now in Christ Jesus he is it's the way that you come to God no man can come to the Father except through me that's what he say not even a Jew can go to the Father except through him and so I'm saying this because you see this idea of a chosen people has always brought trouble in the world so the, the, the Europeans that went to the Americas North America they saw themselves as the chosen people of God that they're going to be a light to the Gentiles guess what happened they enslaved black people oh there were others that went down to Cape Town they saw themselves too as oh we're chosen people we're the Africans guess what happened apartheid happened True Christianity understands that the nations have been brought together in Christ and that there's no superior nation to another nation. Amen. The problem is this supremacy things that we have. So there's white supremacy. There's Chewa supremacy, Tumboka supremacy, Yao supremacy, whatever supremacy is there. They have no place in the church of Jesus Christ because we are fellow inheritors members of the same body members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel so in the gospel we become partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus see you need revelation there must be this revelation that God has brought the nations together if there's no revelation that he has brought us together in the church we are not going to be a reconciling force in the nation and you heard the nonsense right some blunt I see not pastor three or four weeks ago I don't know when he was saying that but he basically was saying that oh listen you know who to vote for you we you are in Mulanji so you know who to vote for you vote for somebody from here nonsense from a church from a pastor that's a misunderstanding. that's a heresy that's a false teaching and it wasn't just in Blanter even here even here we can name Coma Synod pastors or whatever pastors we can even speak of Livingstonia Synod pastors it's something that the church has not grown up to understand we are not different peoples we are one people yes there are different different cultures different nations but we are one people Malawi needs the church to be the church Amen. Tell your neighbor, Malawi needs the church to be the church. Tell them, Malawi needs you to be the church. We're united in reconciliation. We're united in relationship. We're united in revelation. And then finally, we're united in representation. The church is called to witness God's power against the satanic realm. That's what the church is called to do. Oh, you know, the church, we are partners uh, with government. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. No, we're not partners with government. Not in the sense that we'll kowtow and, you know, say everything that the government wants us to say. No, 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 no. We are partners in justice in the earth. With all authorities, we are partners in justice. We are partners in mercy and humility. We are partners in righteousness. That's who we are. And so Paul here, speaking of his revelation, is explaining now what the church is about. Verse number seven, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now watch the grace, the ministry that was given to him to preach the, the, the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And please, don't, don't you just be thinking that it's just spiritual things. No. The unsearchable riches of Christ are the resources, the money, the healing, whatever it is that you need to do, to, you need to have so that you can do what God has called you to do in the earth. Amen. 
So let's not limit this to just Sunday. No, the unsearchable riches of Christ have to do with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And to bring to light, verse number nine, for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? Now watch out. He says, I'm supposed to bring a revelation. I'm supposed to bring to light God's plan that was hidden. Remember? He has said that the church is something that has now been revealed to God's holy apostles and prophets, right? So he says to him, was given this ministry that he should reveal that plan of God that was hidden in all the ages or throughout all the ages. Who created, hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities. Now watch it. He says, this is so that, or that plan was so that in these times now, the many-sided wisdom of God. Some versions translate that as the variegated wisdom of God. Many-sided wisdom of God. Now watch this. We're saying Jews and Gentiles have come together. In other words, the nations have come together in Christ Jesus, right? And so the nations there, then, they show their many-sided the variegated wisdom of God. Amen. Because that's what the church is. The church is made up of many different nations, of many different tribes, of many different peoples. And so then, the church becomes now the thing that God is using in the earth to show his many-sided wisdom. Remember Babel? Confusion? At Pentecost... This unity. Language was used in Babylon, uh, at Babel, to bring about confusion. On Pentecost, language is used to bring about unity. So watch now. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So that through the church, through us, the many-sided wisdom of God may be made known not to governments. Amen. Governments are small fish for us. But the authorities, the rulers, and Paul, when he comes to chapter number 6, he speaks of, 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 of these as part of the satanic realm. And so the church, in doing what she's doing, she's not doing what she's doing against governments. No, 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 no. Against principalities and powers. Because you see, behind the human governments is the government of the enemy. Amen. After the fall, everything is fallen. After the fall, everything is under the authority of Satan. Some people think you have to drink blood to be satanic. That's a lie. You don't have to drink blood to be satanic. If you don't have Jesus, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Satan and there's the kingdom of God. If you have received Jesus, you're in the kingdom of God. If you haven't received Jesus, you're in the kingdom of Satan. Tell your neighbor, say amen. If I tell them, say amen anyway. <laughs> Are we together here? And so then, the church becomes... That which shows the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. And when you start thinking of this in terms of the different tribes, it means that now the church becomes the thing, the wisdom of God, that God is using in a place like Malawi to show the divisions that they are a lie. To show by our unity that there is God and there is the wisdom of God who wants to bring all nations together and has done that in Christ Jesus. Unless we catch that, we become part of the problem in Malawi. See, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. Ask your neighbor, are you part of the problem? Let me finish up. He says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now watch this. This was according to the eternal purpose. This bringing together of Jews and Gentiles. 
This making the church to show the many-sided wisdom of God is something that started from the beginning, before creation, part of his plan. The church is not plan B. It's not because Jesus Christ went to the Jews and the Jews didn't receive him. And so then Jesus Christ decided to, to, to send his disciples to the Gentiles. No, from the word go, Jesus Christ was, was, was going to bring peace to the Jew and Gentile to all the nations. In other words, in God's plan of salvation, salvation also includes the coming together of all peoples, the ending of hatreds, the ending of racism, the ending of tribalism, the ending of all isms, because that's his plan from the beginning. When he gave man authority or to have dominion in the earth, he didn't give man or other people domination over others. That's why we must refuse any form of domination. Because any form of, de of domination dehumanizes us. We are made in the image and likeness of God. To agree to being discriminated against on the basis of race, on the basis of tribe, on the basis of, re of, 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 of region is to agree with the devil. Because that's not the plan of God. And that's why church, you and I must fight for the equality and justice of all people because that's what our kingdom is about. Now I want you to watch. He says, in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So it's realized in Christ. But it's manifested in our boldness. Hallelujah. Listen. When I was sitting there, I felt the, the, the Lord say to me, don't wait for things to happen. Make them happen. Don't wait for things to happen. Make them happen. You see, our experience it's still a colonial experience. Huh? It's still a, an experience of the colonized. It's still the experience of those that wait on other people to do something for them. And they can never do things by themselves. No. No, no, no. We are supposed to have initiative. In fact, this boldness in Christ Jesus means that we understand there's a destiny for us. There's a destiny for Malawi. There's a destiny for you. And that destiny is not, going to come, is not going to come by you just sitting there and doing nothing. Don't wait for something to happen. You make it happen. So he says we have boldness. We have this confidence. Because we're in Christ Jesus. Listen, your dream, your vision, the thing that God has set in your heart. God expects you that you have the boldness to move into your destiny. So he says we have boldness. And we access with confidence through faith in him. Watch now. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Remember, he's writing from prison. And so he's saying, don't worry about me. <laughs> See, the only thing you should worry about, the only thing you should worry about is when you're not moving in your destiny. Don't worry about whether you have money or no money. Uh -uh. That's a small thing. What you should worry about is whether you are in, on the path of your destiny or not. So Paul is in jail. And yet look at what he's writing. Because he understands that a detour is not a dead end. Tell your neighbor. A detour is not a dead end. Mm -mm. He understands that that's just a phase. A phase. That's just a season. That's just a place where he's at at that moment in time. Probably God shut him down in that prison so he can write some letters. How else is he going to write letters when you are inviting, you are inviting him, you are inviting him, when he has this thing inside him, this is, I should preach, I should preach, I should preach. So he says, I'll shut you down, prison anointing, and so he stays in prison, so he can write these things. Amen. Yeah. So don't you ever think that because you are stuck somewhere, that your stuck is the end of you, the stuck is not the end of you. It could just be another dimension. It could just be God saying, okay, I want you to develop this other thing. And so Paul says, listen, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Church, listen. Listen. Do you know, 
we are a young church, Kairos. Not just young in numbers, I mean young in terms of the age, uh, average age that we have in here, but also young in terms of our history. The truth of the matter is, the older churches, they have divided themselves along their regions. Isn't it? But somebody needs to emerge. Not to say that they're bad, no. That's just our history. But somebody needs to emerge and say, no, we need to bring reconciliation. Listen, that job has fallen on us, Kairos. Not just us, there are also others. But God has called us that we should be the ones that make this a reality. That if a man is in Christ, is a new creation, all things have passed away, all things have become new. We're the ones that are to show that we are a new creation. That yes, we are Chewa, we are Yawo, we are all sorts of whatever nations that are represented here. But at the end of the day, we are reconciled. And that would want to show the many-sided wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers and to our nation and society around us. I want to invite you next Sunday, we'll do it from two to four, that we sit down and we talk about how we can flesh this out amongst ourselves, how we can take steps that we can initiate something like this, something like a national truth, justice, and reconciliation commission in our nation. Because unless the truth of the past comes to light, unless there's restitution or repayment made for those injustices, there's not going to be reconciliation. And when there's no reconciliation, it's going to get worse next time. You know, now people are, are comfortable. There used to be a time you, you'd kind of like feel uncomfortable to say, you know, I'm, I'm Chewa or whatever. <laughs> but now it's become, it's almost fashionable. What's going to happen next? Very bad things can happen. But you and I have been sent here as salt and light. Oh, don't say, but I'm just young. That's what Jeremiah said. Don't just say, oh, but you know we're just a small church. Don't say that. What God has told us to do, what God has equipped us to do, God will empower us to do that thing. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of us are with me on this journey of reconciliation? Hallelujah. I hope to see you next Sunday at 2. Amen. I want us to stand up. I'd like us to close the word of prayer. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.